0: The Legion of Lethargic Supergeeks, rediscovering comics, sci-fi, and new media.
1: Welcome to the Legion of Lethargic Supergeeks. Today is our Book of the Month conversation, and we're talking about The Escapists by Brian K. Vaughn. And um, I'm just gonna run around the room and get first impressions from everybody. Um, Brian, what would you think of uh, the Escapists?
0: Well, I'd have to say that uh, every single month we seem to uh, get a we seem to get a book that is uh, just better and better every single month, and uh, it's no different this month. This this is uh, probably the the best. Uh, graphic novel that we've we've done so far or trade uh, i really really
2: enjoyed it
1: chip what'd you think man
2: um you know after hearing you guys talk about it i was like oh, i don't want to read this it was actually really freaking good and i didn't want to say that <laughs> i wanted to go there's no superheroes <laughs> in it it's boring <laughs> but it was it was really good it was really good um sc- i enjoyed it a lot
1: cool scotty what'd you think man
2: uh three for three i really thought it was good
3: man it's uh it's i think it's the best thing we've read so far uh in a lot of ways but it it was also um like chip kind of said it it it's a it's not superhero-y in a sense right so um but it's still really good and it kind of surprised me just how good it was
1: right so the uh um, I I obviously love the book, or I wouldn't have picked it for you guys to read. Right. Um, for the listeners, the way that we're doing the book of the club, book of the month club thing is um, we're rotating um, uh, Marvel, DC, independent. This is our independent selection. What are
3: we gonna do? Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. <laughs> as <laughs> soon not. as Kim
1: wants to do it, there it is. That's my wife, by the way, and she's over in the uh, over off to the side, like cheering for the traveling, whatever they're called, pants. Yeah, pants right okay, anyway. okay so um anyway um um part of the point of the book of the month club thing is to reintroduce everyone to comics that they may not have otherwise you know gotten into wouldn't
3: that be introduce us then
1: yeah yeah, yeah right okay, well, you sorry. know sorry thank you um and i'm actually thinking about picking uh some comics in the real near future that i've never read but i keep being told that are are really good so it'll be my first read as well in the pretty in the fairly near future so anyway i'm going to tell you a little bit about the escapists for the listeners um the escapist features um a character named max roth um and anybody interrupt me if i get this wrong because it's actually been a couple months since i've read this book um max uh is a uh, uh is a is a fan of a golden age superhero named the escapist and um when his parents pass away, he takes um, his inheritance and purchases the rights to the Escapist, and uh, then gets a couple of friends together, and they start publishing um, uh, an Escapist uh, comic book, a current one, and um, they uh, they do a couple things like they do they they uh, run a publicity stunt. The publicity stunt goes really well unexpectedly, and um, Suddenly, uh, they get a bunch of interest from a major corporation that does some seedy things in order to try to steal the escapist from them. And from there, pandemonium ensues. So um, that's what they're talking about when they say that the escapist wasn't uh, terribly uh, superhero-y. is because the only superhero in it is the superhero that they are writing about. So um, on that note, I would ask you, Chip, how did you uh, how did you feel about the Escapist in terms of its realism?
2: Um, I mean, it still seemed like I was reading a comic book, but I mean, it did seem somewhat realistic about, I guess, how real life is. Uh, but sure, I, I don't know. well,
1: the reason that I'm asking you specifically is because a lot of times when we talk about um, the Marvel versus DC thing, and you're always boo hiss on DC one of the things you mention most of the time is the idea that DC comics are incredibly unrealistic compared to Marvel comics. And this thing didn't have any superheroes in it except for the fictitious one.
2: Right. No, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I mean, yeah, I mean it, it would, you know, it, it's as realistic, I guess, as anything. I mean, um, it seems, I guess, somewhat like, but you know, the situation seemed a little bit hokey, you know, and (laughs) it's, isn't it? But, um, no, I mean, you know, it was a good, it, I don't know, I'm flipping through it now and some of it just seems a little, you know, fantasy-ish.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, um, one of the things that I really thought was interesting from an art style perspective was the idea that all the stuff that's supposed to be taking place in the quote unquote real world is drawn kind of cartoony versus the stuff that's drawn in the fantasy world, the stuff that the the characters are writing about is drawn in a very realistic art style. And and how did, how did you feel about that, Brian?
0: As far as the, the ha- how oh well
1: how the art worked in terms of um, the the cartoony style versus the realistic style, um, when w- you and I talked about this comic book before, and one of and you pointed out a couple things about how they transition between the two at times and all that kind of thing, and I'm hoping to elicit those comments again
0: sure um well, as far as that goes, I think that there's that one scene where it is the scene you talked about where they get the publicity stunt. Um during that there's sort of a period where fantasy and reality start to blend and right. to I guess the way they do it in the comic is when fantasy meets reality they start drawing reality um in sort of the the comic way um now I don't know if how how uh if everything happened the way that they uh made it out in the uh when they're drawing it in that sort of that real gritty um mm-hmm. almost more realistic looking art uh, like for instance, the guy shoots at him and he doesn't get hit um, right. I don't know if the guy just missed or if that just didn't really happen or what, so at that point, things are just sort of like in that sort of limbo but uh yeah, as far as the difference between it being more cartoony and and being sort of that more realistic, I think that if they had made the comic sort of, um, if they had made the comic where, where the girl is actually supposed to be drawing the comic, um, the more cartoony of the two, then we would have thought she was a crappy artist because right. everything surrounding it would have looked um, right. Would have looked great. Uh, so I think it sort of gave sort of credence that she was a good. Um, good artist and that's one of the reasons why the the book they were putting out was really really good.
2: But sure. I also yeah. think that they did that because it kinda does the the light in the dark I mean you know like the comic books kinda of a dark comic book in the right. way it's drawn kinda represents that and then when you're leaving that you're going into a more of a cartoonish world which I guess technically you know what they're saying is the real world but it, it lightens it like if, if it were the reverse you know, kinda like, you know, what Brian said would be thought of too. But it would just come off, I think, too dark. I mean, I think it sure. works the way they separate the For two. Sure.
1: So uh so Scotty, do you think this was a fun read?
3: Oh yeah. I mean I that's uh yeah, I think that's one of the one of the definitely one of the words you'd describe it with. Um I wouldn't call it lighthearted, right. but it was fun. I mean, uh and there's also um just the con- uh, There are some concepts that are sort of overarching throughout it. What are those? Um, well, I mean, the, the one of them is uh, just the process, the process of creation. Sure. Um, as they, um, uh, you know, as our heroes go and construct <laughs> their uh, uh, their comic book, uh, it just they deal with some of the things uh, that you deal with when you're creating art or anything creative like that. Meaning, um, you know, he's talking about there's uh, when they're putting it together. He's, you know, I think she said something about her art wasn't that good one time. You know, right? He's talking about I don't think this is really is this written well. You know, there's that sort of self doubt, right? Uh, right before you put something out, sort of release it to the world, kind of a thing. Um, yeah, and I and I really liked that. I I, I mean we've talked about it before with Josh Whedon. Sure. Um, I've always liked that kind of stuff where there's bigger concepts, and they sort of um, work themselves out right throughout the whole you know the whole graphic novel.
1: You know, um, I think that uh, sort of the I do think that there's like sort of a uh, an idea here that Brian K. Vaughn has personally been struggling with because um, I think. One of the themes has to do with um, the idea of um, creating art going better for one when it's not attached to anything that just previously previously existed. Right. I think that that's kind of a, a thing that that creeps out over time through the right. through the book.
3: Well, that's that's why he didn't. He, there's not a real. <clears throat> I mean, the Escapist wasn't a real right comic book. You know, he create everything in this is created out. You know? Right, right, right. But by the same token, there are references to um, other comic. You know, there's a, sure. a reference to Ghost World and uh, American Splendor when she asked. Uh, sure, uh, what's her name, Roxy? Case. Case. Where did I get Roxy from? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking
1: about one of the Ghost Roxanne. World characters. What's <laughs> <I wasn't laughs> her name,
3: Roxanne? Yeah, right. Anyway, the chick. Uh, at, she asked. Um, the boy, if, if Max. Max, if uh, you want to go watch the movie, you know, let's go watch a movie. and Sure. The, it was American Splendor. And, and the idea yeah, yeah. being it was another sort of comic book reference Well, thing. well the reason that I'm even, saying... Even when they're going to watch movies, it's comic sure, book movies. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. There's a certain sense of...
1: No, no, no. The reason I'm saying what I'm saying has less to do with that and more to do with um, Brian K. Vaughn's career. For those of you who don't know about Brian K. Vaughn, he wrote um, some Green Lantern that didn't do very well. And he wrote some Batman that didn't do very well. And then he wrote, um, a title for Marvel called the runaways, which was part of a, uh, of an initiative. Marvel was starting to try to attract younger readers and female readers. And, um, of that entire batch of comics, I believe they launched like five or six titles all at the same time. The runaways was the only one that survived and it was entirely made up of characters that Brian K Vaughn, initiated like he wasn't using prefab right, Marvel that's what characters. I mean, right yeah and um and then and then his big success at dc came from a marvel book that he did called why the last man and why again was a uh a completely you know character owned character pardon me creator owned creator initiated title so so he doesn't he didn't seem to do very well as long as he was working on pre-existing titles but then, as soon as he, he he did his own thing, suddenly he came into his own, and I think that I think that Max's story arc in this book right. sort of mirrors that. Right. Um, Brian K. Vaughan has had success with preexistent characters since he he did well with his own things. A couple titles he's he's done that um, you may have seen are uh, he did a uh, he did a four issue Doctor Strange miniseries. It was called The Oath, and he also did. Um, Teen Titans. Actually, Wolverine. Oh, okay. <laughs> his, his stint on Wolverine just ended, and I haven't read it yet. But um, anyway.
3: Well, you know, I mean, I, one of the other thing, like there's a lot of themes in this. Sure. But one of it is is doing things that you, you know, doing things that you actually love. Right. You know, uh, the... um, There's
2: a big, the, just
0: to add something in there. That Please. You're, I think this is where you're going with this, but... I think it could be summed up in one word, and it sort of runs throughout the entire book is the word freedom. I, I have
1: I mean, that it, written it, down. Sort of I totally agree with
0: with you know the name just the name alone escapist you know right. and then there's uh, the girls wearing shirts a lot of the time that say free and, and uh, the big and stamp in the park. There's the big stamp, play. and of course right. the, I don't know did we did we mention that the whole thing occurs in Cleveland?
1: No, we haven't yet. Thank you.
3: The whole thing occurs
2: in Cleveland.
1: <laughs> and and from a comic book perspective, why is Cleveland important?
2: Because Cleveland everybody's rocks? from there.
1: <laughs> because that's where Superman was created, first major okay. comic book character.
2: Superman was created there, Art Crumb was from there, Harvey Picar, mm-hmm. Bendis,
3: wow. Azurilo,
2: who I don't know who that is.
3: Well, you just said Bendis. We're
1: good.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. The Bendis reference of the day, that's right. Um that's funny. So hey, uh Chip. What are yeah. the names of the two artists that were on the book?
2: <coughs> um there's a bunch, but the main two are I think Jason Sean Alexander did all of the like when they're showing the actual escapist comic. Okay. And then uh Steve Ralston, it looks like was the one who did the regular stuff. You know, everything else. And then there was a couple extra artists, like the guy who did the cover, um, which I think was James John. And, uh, then there was, uh, er, what's this guy? Eduardo Barreto. Okay. Um, he, he did some stuff in there, but I think they just did little additional things, but it was mainly, um, the dark stuff was done by Jason, Sean Alexander, and the other stuff was done by who would I say? Steve Ralston. And they worked on, uh, Queen and Country?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Queen and Country is a is an oh, – eh, I want to say it's Oni. I can't remember who publishes it, but I think that's right. Anyway, Greg Rucka is the guy who writes that, and he actually does a comic book, Queen and Country, and he does Queen and Country novels. And the Queen and Country novels are what got him his break into comic
2: books. Oh, okay. And then he also did Pounded, Jingle Bell, this one called M-E-K <clears> – <throat> Um I don't and a graphic one. novel called One Bad Day, which is the referred to as slacker noir.
1: Oh, okay. By the way, Greg Rucka, you guys are familiar with because he wrote one of the uh, one of the stories that was on the Gotham Night DVD we reviewed a little while back.
3: Oh, okay, he did
1: the one with the two cops who were driving to the penitentiary or the Arkham Asylum, rather.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, those were cool. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about those.
1: Um. Okay. So. um Hey, Brian, I, I don't mean to be throwing this one on you because we haven't discussed this before. But um, how uh, do you feel about politics in comics? Because I think Brian K. Vaughan inserts a lot of it.
0: I I have no problem with it. Um, of course, the politics that he was th- throwing in there, um, it's the sort of politics I guess I sort of support. Right. But... Um, yeah, no, I, I think that that makes it just a little more real, too. I mean, sure. it's uh, you, it, you... it does bring in uh something that it's something from the world that we can all relate to a lot more. Sure. Um so that's that that's basically what I how I, I guess my opinion on it.
1: Um one of his one of his uh very popular creator-owned titles is called uh The Ex Machina. And uh The Ex Machina is um about a uh a guy who was a very very bad superhero called the great machine and uh, he can talk to machines but you know other than that he's kind of a wuss so he he kind of got his rear stomped most of the time he was trying to be a superhero but he was able to talk uh one of the airplanes down uh that would have otherwise uh crashed into the world trade center and uh, because he was able to do this and he saved one of the two towers <coughs> he gets elected as uh, the mayor of New York city. And that's where the comic book starts. And, um, if you, if you, uh, if, if any of you are into what you've read here with the escapist, I highly recommend the ex machina because it's, uh, yeah, they're good. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a fun, fun comic and it's, it's, it's funny. Um, but, but I think, I think Brian K. Vaughn, even though he tries to play that like political, um, straddling the fence thing or whatever so that you never really get a clear image about his politics I think I think the democratic stuff comes out a little bit stronger than the republican stuff
2: Scotty yeah, I, yeah.
1: oh yeah Chip go ahead
2: well yeah you gave me the ex machina to read so I've got the first volume um, but you no. don't
1: like politics in comics true false Chip
2: well i um I don't mind politics in comics, but I don't read that as they're trying to say something. I see. I just say, hey, um, you know, that's what they're talking about in that comic. I don't want to relate. I don't relate it to the real world, and I don't really – I wouldn't really appreciate it if I thought that someone came out like if Neil Gaiman's next book was all about why we should elect Obama, I would be so pissed it would be ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) But it would never be
0: direct. It would never be – so, so direct as saying that, you right. know, it would bring up some of those issues that maybe we are dealing with, uh, and maybe not in in a direct way. It wouldn't be like housing crisis stuff, but yeah, they but would find some you, way to,
2: right? To, but you really can't get upset about that. I mean, if you get upset about that, you couldn't even watch Star Trek because just about every right. old Star Trek was all about some political thing that was actually exactly. going on right then. Right. True. True. You know,
1: Scotty, so. I know you've read the Ex Machina. How'd you like it?
3: Um, I really liked it, um, but I don't care. I don't like, I don't like political stuff, uh, for the most part. Sure, uh, it's a fine line. I mean, I like the philosophical stuff if you come at it from a philosophical standpoint, but the minute it starts to get, or, or you're trying to tell me how to vote, right? I'm, 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 I'm out. No matter who. I mean i don't I just have i don't I don't like it either way, you know what I mean <laughs> right, sure. if you, if he came out with a book to say that we should vote for Obama or if he came out with a book to say we should vote for McCain, I'd be equally as pissed. right, right right I just don't uh you know and like I said i I don't mind if you want to tackle issues individually sure, but the minute, and this is a political stance, but the minute you start to be pro either party right now. Right, I I just have a problem with it because I, I I know it's this is kind of cliche to think this now but I I just really have a problem with you can't convince me that they both suck right and I know that's real you know I know that's very cynical way to but it but neither of them live up to what they're saying what they say they're gonna do they right. throw you a bone mm-hmm. you know depending on what standpoint you're coming from sure i just anyway so that's my bitter my, my bitter political statement for the yeah, evening Yeah, this will
0: probably be better asked at the time or <laughs> we're not being pummeled with uh, calls. yes on, <laughs> no, yeah no, you're no, right it's but a bad every, time every commercial and, you see and,
3: yes and i love and i know this sounds from someone i actually mm-hmm. do like the whole politics thing but i'm so sick of it right now sure and that i'm just uh and, and it's it's uh Oversimplification theater, everything is just oversimplified, and everybody's got an answer. And you're like, right. most of these things, I'm gonna, I am getting political, but most of the major, well, <laughs> I think most of your major political issues, not all, but most of them, if you really look at them, you can kind of see why the other side believes what they believe. Of course, sure. That's why they're at a standstill.
1: Right. 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 So uh, while we're anyway, on the topic of things... That's my that, rant for the day. <laughs> while we're on the topic of things that normally cause Scotty to become bitter and cynical, how'd you feel about the romance in this book, man?
3: <laughs> I actually liked it. <laughs> I thought, you know, I, it wasn't uh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, but... Uh, I've never even seen that movie. <laughs> um, but I actually thought it was, you know, it. I liked... I mean, it was... Uh, there were no superheroes in it, so you, therefore you can have romance. I see. Don't no. mix, you know. Don't mix <laughs> romance with my superheroes. is all I'm saying. You know, I watched "M mmm, oh, last night. Oh, I
2: just bought it today. Oh, what, it. Are, what the hell
3: are you people thinking? <laughs> yeah, now, the first half of it, what you can do is watch the first half and then turn it off. All right, cool. So, <laughs> are the watched,
1: extras any good? I haven't watched the extras yet. I just
3: watched the. There's the a movie. bunch, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. The thing I saw, the extra I saw was cool. It was Ed Norton sitting down with um, uh, a bunch of the writers and uh, I, uh, some of the special effects guys. Oh, okay. And he was talking about, hey, the, you know, it was some of the rough draft stuff, and he was giving them an overview of, hey, why don't we do this and why don't we do that? Right. It, was, it looked kind of cool. Ed Norton
0: was very involved with that film. Yeah, he I was. I usually but,
1: like him. But I did hear an interview with... Uh the the guy who wrote the screenplay before Ed Norton got a hold of it or whatever. And, uh, and he was, he, he was as, as politically as he could possibly get away with it. He tried to express that he was pleased the movie got made, but not terribly pleased about some of the edits, you know? Right. And one of the
3: things that he did directly, is if they take your stuff, you know what I mean? I know.
1: Well, one of the things that he wasn't pleased about was, um,
3: the romance, the whole Hulk and love.
1: No, I think that was actually in his draft.
3: Oh, well, I don't like this guy.
1: <laughs> One of the things he mentioned not liking was um, uh, in his original draft. Um, I can't remember the name of the... Here we go again with the name thing. Sorry. What's the name of the character that um, Bruce Banner saves from the explosion in the original Hulk story?
3: I'm not a Hulk guy. I don't remember.
1: Anyway, that character was in his original draft. And he got written out.
3: And he got... Taken out yeah
1: Wait
2: a minute, are you talking about the oh you're talking about the first hulk movie no the hulk, first
1: hulk comic
2: the hulk
3: storyline
1: yeah from the comic book there was a, the the, the rick guy jones. rick jones thank you yeah rick oh, jones James. rick jones was in this uh in, in in the first well first several drafts of the, this movie script
3: and then he went on to record <laughs> super freak
2: <laughs> no and then he went on to be to replace bucky as captain america's sidekick
3: true <laughs> true um, uh, yeah, but then Bucky comes back, <laughs>
2: Shh. and he's now Captain. <laughs> oh, by the way, by the way, yeah, um, Nick Fury, Agent of Shield, with David Hasselhoff, is currently just at Best Buy sixteen
3: ninety nine. Sixteen ninety nine just released. When when that's two dollars used on Amazon, I might get it to laugh at. But other than oh, it's, that. it's
1: it's it's funny.
2: Oh. You know who it's written by? Who? The guy, David Goyer, the guy who wrote Batman Begins?
1: No, really? Yeah. Well, it was produced by the people who did Baywatch then.
2: <laughs> I don't know
3: about that. Does he drive like an R, like that? Yeah, he drives like, the car and everything, yeah. Yeah, I'm but sure is he yellow, it yellow, like the Baywatch uh, cars? I don't know. Weren't they that no. yellow color?
1: No, no, no. If <laughs> <laughs> um, he is wearing the, the Knight Rider wristwatch, though. Really? I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So back to the escapists. Um, oh, that's yes. Right. I okay. About that. <laughs> so um, does anybody have any concluding thoughts? What did you guys think about the, uh, the the pinup
3: gallery in the back?
2: I thought the covers were cool. Me too. Uh, especially like the Frank Miller one.
3: Right. There's no ninja yeah. though.
2: No ninja. No ninja. But no. I like
3: the uh, sort of the old school one uh, by John Cassidy.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, John Cassaday. Yeah. He draws uh, Astonishing X-Men.
3: The X-Men, yeah. It looks cool. They're kind of a, like a, you know, a cereal. Sure.
2: Um, poster. Very old old school. It looks like, it makes me think of like an old radio show. Or yeah, something.
3: or like a cereal. Yeah. Not the kind you'd eat, but the kind, you know. Right. With an S. Cereal with an S. Right. I, I, I dug this.
2: Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I especially like the end. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. The end slight, was You yeah. know, just you can do anything. Yeah, well, that's yeah, it back, sticks with that freedom. Uh, yeah, totally. The freedom thing, exactly.
3: Exactly. You know,
1: though, I think that's kind of a running theme in Brian uh, K. Vaughn's work, though. Um, um, a meta theme. Yeah, like um, I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything, but that that idea plays heavily into the end of Why the Last Man. That uh, he, he wrote a uh, he wrote a graphic novel for. Um, uh, Vertigo recently called "The Pride of Baghdad," which um, is about lions. Um, yeah, lions escaping from a zoo in Baghdad, and uh, that's the whole thing. There, they they they've won. And they go and now. eat
3: Republicans. Isn't that?
1: <laughs> Something like that, exactly. Um, and uh, he he wrote the uh, second volume of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And if you recall, the second volume of Buffy the Vampire Slayer had that whole faith storyline where she was trying to like. Uh, win her independence from being seen as the alternate slayer with Buffy, that whole thing. So, so yeah, I think that that's, uh, I think that that's something that he, uh, he digs into a lot. And in fact, he also writes, uh, for lost and the very first episode that he fully penned for the show lost had to do with, uh, how do you guys watch lost? Any of you?
3: I'm going to wait because I watched it and I know everybody makes a joke about it, but I really was lost. (laughs)
1: Chip, did yeah. you watch Lost?
3: Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, anyway, there was a there was an episode where there's this one character who keeps jumping back and forth in time, <clears throat> and uh, it it had to do with with him.
3: There's time travel, and I thought they were stranded on desert island. Yeah. Um, How the hell does that come into play? <laughs> do you do you remember? Do they that? have like a genie bottle or something. Um, I mean. Oh, does it have to Superman do? Superman with-
0: comes and he goes
3: back <laughs> <home> <laughs> and he, he spins the world around. backwards yeah. and he romances like the crazy girl that's on the island and <sighs> Which crazy girl on the
1: island? It's the show today. We hope you had fun. Be sure to check out our website at the Legion of Lethargic You can also get there by simply typing in the initials. L-O-L-S-G.com or t-l-o L-S-G.com. You can also leave us an iTunes review or a comment on the website. Next episode, we discuss our top five favorite depictions of comic characters and movies. Legion of Lethargic Supergeeks is a production of VSA Entertainment. VSA